Hey, well, welcome again to uh, Open Life Online. Glad that you could join us. And we're jumping right back into this series, Community Over Content. And really, it's based out of the heart in the middle of 1 Thessalonians 2.8 that says, we love you so much that we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, our lives as well because you'd become so dear to us. See, that's like the foundation verse of open life. We need to not only share the gospel, but our lives as well. In this series, we're challenging ourselves again with what it means for God to value community over content. Community over content. Last week, we looked at the first of five qualities or characteristics, if you will, of living in community or living out community. We looked at community is expressed when walking with each other and just the instances in which God walked with us. And today uh, we're discovering an additional character that really involves the meeting together. Look at this in Acts 2. 42 through 47, the early church, the beginning of the church. This is like how it started. All the believers, it says in Acts 2.42, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, to fellowship, which is community, right? Hanging out with one another, to the sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Did you hear it? I kind of emphasized it, right? The fellowship, the meeting, they met together. This is what the church was designed to look like. Our big idea today is community is secured when we meet with each other. Um, man, I don't know how many of you mention it in the, in the comments there, but how many of you have ridden on a boat? Kind of funny because I think most of us have at some point been on some sort of a boat, but maybe not all of you. Uh, boats and me have an interesting relationship. I actually worked on a 175 foot, three story dinner cruise vessel called the Spirit of Puget Sound here. You can see it on the screen, that beautiful, beautiful ship that docked on Pier 29 in Seattle. In college, that's that's where I was an entertainment coordinator, a singing and dancing waiter. Yeah, see, uh, it's, it's a beautiful vision. But anyway, I was a singing and dancing waiter on this boat and I had some crazy, crazy things I learned on that boat and uh, about just being a vessel on Elliott Bay and, and, and how to do a lot of things ship-wise. I'll come back to that, uh, but I've had some bad experiences with regular boats. Uh, when I first learned, a young adult, and I first, this is the first time ever I tried to water ski, I got out of a boat and like, you know, I did the normal like chug and didn't let go of the rope, kind of went deep in the water thing. 
But when I popped back up, the boat did a quick around and came and he, he steered incorrectly and he actually, he came right over me and shoved me down under the boat. All I could envision was some scene from a movie where uh, I hit the propeller. <laughs> I was freaking out. Uh, so that gave me a little, I was a little scared of the whole boat skiing, water skiing thing a little bit after that. Became a youth pastor a number of years later and we were out on a on a lake and having one of our summer water fun days outside of Spokane that we had so often. And newly married, new youth pastor, I'm on the back of this boat and I'm like, I'm going to give her another shot. I remember getting all geared up and and I get ready to jump off the boat and, and I forgot about this little new device that was on my finger called a ring. I put my hand on the edge of the, the boat and my ring popped down into a canopy track that like you had put a cover over the back of the boat. And it was the senior pastor's boat. And I remember jumping over, but like my arms stayed up and it was really awkward and, and it, it peeled my finger all the way off. Here's the picture. I'm just kidding. I didn't <laughs> take a picture of it and uh, put it here on the screen, but it was nasty. Like my ring was down here under the skin and, and uh, it took a while to let that heal. Now my ring's kind of like a, a permanent fixture with a massive scar there that we'll never see because I can't even get it off. But anyway, um, all the jewelers are like, we'll cut it off for you, Thad. That's dangerous. But the, the reality is I had two crazy bad experiences on boats. So I was a little shy of boats, but I've kind of gotten over it. Now I pull my family around. Every summer we go on a uh, vacation on Mason Lake and the owner of the property there lets me use whatever boat he offers. And, and there's some fun parts about it. Now, I haven't ran over my kids yet. I've thrown them off the tubes a lot, and that's kind of fun. But I tell you what's hard, docking, especially with different kind of boats. And, and that's kind of where I'm going with this, this whole thing. When you come in to the dock, depending on where the waves are going, it's just, and the particular owner of the, the boats there is very particular about how you dock. And I've had some times where it took me an hour and a half to prove that I could actually dock a certain style of boat. The one with the little motor in the middle, so the boat just kind of floats around. It was probably the hour and a half, most stressful hour and a half of my life. But that's not the hard part necessarily. It's making sure somebody knows how to tie the boat to the dock when you get back to to the dock, and that's called mooring. Uh, all that to get to this, how to properly mow a boat. Uh, if you don't know it, your boat's gonna be in trouble when you get to the dock. All the work you do to get to the dock, and if you don't properly tie off, that boat's just gonna go floating away or floating into the rocks or uh, go out to the open water and, and, and drift out. I don't know, have you ever been the one to jump out of the boat and have to tie off the boat to the dock. Uh, because sometimes when done wrong, you're the one that is embarrassed because the boat just like floats out. You're like, what is, how did you do that? And there's a proper way and a not proper way. If you wonder how to do it, it's right there on the screen. Look at this video. Proper way to get that boat tied up is, is uh, you know, you're gonna end up with one string over, two strings under. That's how you tie it onto the cleat, is what it's called. So here I'm holding a, a proper cleat tie. Maybe if you had stopped for lunch, you'd wrap it around once more if you're gonna leave it overnight. But uh, 
you know, if you don't do it correctly, if this is where the boat is and it pulls, the strings are just going to come off. So, you know, I've seen people, they come up and they, they pull from the boat and they just kind of wrap it around and think, oh, I'm good. And then later the boat's rocking back and forth. Bye-bye boat, <laughs> right? And that's the whole deal. If we, if we aren't tightly tied off to the deck and moored correctly to the cleat, then we are going to be in trouble. And where I first learned how to do this was actually on that 175 foot ship in Elliott Bay and the ropes were huge. And this cleat thing was like two big cement balls sticking up out of multiple spots along the dock and you'd have to haul the rope over your shoulder, you know, and, and fight off the wharf rats and, and get that thing cleated up and you're twisting this big rope to, to latch on correctly. And, and after that, I've always known how to uh, moor a boat to a dock correctly. Have you ever had to learn how to do that? And hopefully you learned correctly because otherwise it'd be kind of embarrassing if your boat floats adrift. Floating out of control, adrift means floating without control drifting, not anchored or moored. Have you ever felt like your faith is in that space? Maybe your faith, you've realized you look around and you're like, I'm not secure. I'm not tied off anymore to the dock. I am floating at the mercy of the waves, the wind. And that's a nervous place to be. That's a place that makes you nervous. The other thing that makes you nervous is, Am I tight, tightly attached enough to the dock if there is to be a storm? And interesting enough, when I worked on the Spirit of Puget Sound, there was a massive storm in the early 90s that the wind came and it was so strong, actually, the waves in Elliott Bay right there at the waterfront of Seattle were like 10 feet up, 10 feet down below the dock. And if your ship is moored too tightly to the dock during that, It'll actually rip the dock away. Knowing that the wind was strong, I got the call because I lived closest to the ship and a few of us made our way down there. When we got there, we found that the wind had blown the top of Pier 29 right through. A big beam blew through, through the boat, just pierced the top deck of this three-story ship. And uh, it was jumping up and down 10 feet. And we had to loosen all the ropes so that the boat wouldn't break apart the, the dock or the pier. And so then we had to jump on board and start cleaning things up. But to do it, you would basically step out as the boat was 10 feet below you and it would slam against you. And uh, the things I did right on this big ship, I learned a lot that was the most terrifying. I was very sick by the end of that day. Uh, but it taught me some things because not only do you have to loosen the rope during the storms, but still be secure to the dock. Once the waves subside, you have to pull those back in. We've got to watch the ropes, right? We've got to watch the lines. And uh, they used to tell us on that ship, check the lines. Check the lines. And it was a, we knew what to do when somebody said, check the lines. Being properly connected or secured to an anchor point is critical with boats, but it's also critical with 
our faith. And uh, is your faith stormproof? And we've been talking about this for a while, but we're in a storm. Like th this could be, this season could be considered a storm, but it could also just be a great wake up call for us to realize, oh, am I tied securely? I need to check the lines because I don't know if, if I'm secure right now. And one of those things that'll make me more secure is, is meeting with others. That's how community is really, really secured. Hebrews makes it so clear. I mean, the Acts 2, 42 through 47 is just blatantly clear as well. But listen to the wording here. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Our first thought today is this. We need to gather together as a church. We need to gather together as a church. And, and that's the large group, right? And I do believe that can be online or in person. The Spirit of God can move beyond our natural understanding. But we secure community with each other when we are going in the same direction. And when we have our, our services, when we are sharing a message with you on a Saturday or a Sunday or whenever you're watching and participating in the online service, you discover how to align to the mission and vision of the church. And our mission as a church is to be people who are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Our vision has never changed in the 10 plus years of open life. And we've been pinpointed on like this five mile radius of Bonnie Lake, which when we first did the study in, in 2010, there were 80,000 people, which was 88% of the community in that circumference that needed a personal relationship with Jesus. They had no faith connection whatsoever. And I look at that and I go, man, there are those, there's 80,000 people, at least in our community, within our reach, that don't have a growing relationship with Jesus or others. How can we reach out to them? God spoke clearly to us at the beginning of this year that in the next 10 years, we are going to baptize 552 of those 80,000 people. What an honor that's going to be to participate in a moment of public confession of their faith in Jesus and your faith in Jesus. And I encourage you, it's, we don't have to wait for that moment. Like, let's start baptizing people now. Proverbs 29, 18, uh, the first part of that verse says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Cast off right? <laughs> Cast off. Like when this lets go, no vision. If we let go of the vision, if we let go of, of what we're supposed to be about and we stop reading our Bible and we stop praying and we stop uh, participating in the, the gathering as a church, whether that's online or in person, we go adrift, right? COVID has not changed our vision. It's only changed the methods the location, the day, 
check the lines. We need to check the lines. Are you adrift? When you really look at your faith, have you casted off restraint, right? Uh, if you have not seen someone online, maybe you don't see their name coming up on an online service or you haven't seen them in person at a service, reach out. They may be drifting. They may have realized they didn't tie off tight enough and they just accidentally found themselves drifting out to sea. It's interesting because when you're adrift, that's what they actually call it. You're lost at sea. Isn't that interesting? And you know what Jesus says about the lost in Luke 19, 10. He says, the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. This week in the Open Life Bible Reading Plan, we're reading about the beginning of that journey. If you haven't joined us yet, hop in. Just join in on the day that you join in. But we're reading the beginning of Luke and we're seeing how his life started. And it started with that intention to seek and save the lost, those who maybe just didn't tie in correctly or maybe who've never tied in correctly. They didn't moor their vessel to what is sound and secure, which is Jesus. And what helps that, it's making a decision to follow Jesus amongst community with one another. When we are adrift, we should welcome somebody reaching out to us. It should be an honor to have somebody reach out and try to connect and, and say, how are you doing? Checking in, because they just wanna make sure that everybody's connected in a growing relationship with Jesus. We're people reaching people, right? People leading people. Uh, they they want to lead you back to a secure place. And if we, if we value content over community here, it might look like this. You might just go walk around the edge of the boat and you might just go, well, man, I've got, I've got a tie off. I've like got the rope. So I should be, I should be fine. Right. I'm good. I've got what you, I've got a Bible on a bookshelf in my room. Um, well, unless this and this are securely connected to the dock. <laughs> it's no good. It's not going to work. You got to actually use the rope. You got to actually attach to the cleat, which is secured to the dock, or you're going to become adrift. Well, if I just read my Bible by myself, uh, well, if I just listen to random podcasts, uh, if I just uh, follow a ton of pastors online, um, if I just read some books by myself, you know what? We're designed for community over content. And if we don't lean into our community as a church or as other individuals where two or more are gathered, the Bible says, then we're going to have this on the boat, but it's not going to be connected to anything. God is challenging us to grow together, the whole body growing together. While large groups, church services can be inspiring and motivate us to pursue Jesus more faithfully, uh, where we flesh that out in a more intimate level is in smaller groups. So thought too, we need to meet with each other in homes. We need to meet with each other in homes, in small groups. And maybe that home is represented by a, a meeting you're going to have by way of computer, FaceTime, Zoom, go-to meeting, whatever you use. Uh, but it's time. It's, it's like 
It's like being a part of the community of Bonnie Lake, but living in a specific neighborhood within it. You, you have an affinity. Something is beautiful about the, the eight homes right around you or the neighbors right around you that you know really well right, within your community. It's like students being in school and it's like, I have my school, you know, kids, I love my school. And we know all the stuff at this school and our principals and our teachers are awesome. Yeah, it's like being a part of a school, but now you're a part of a class in the school. Or maybe you're a part of a team in the school or a club in the school. And it's that much more meaningful, those relationships. You're a part of a choir. You're a part of a, a shop class. You're a part of a, a something that, that goes on a trip together, a group of people. You're going to be way deeper in relationship with those than if you just went to that school, right? Romans 1, 9, 11 kind of reveals some more heart from Paul, the author, inspired by God. It's the same author as wrote to the Thessalonians, you know, to do life together. He said this, God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. This kind of longing is the same that he expressed to the, the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, where he just had to not only share the gospel, but his life as well. They became dear to him. If there is a way, any way for us to have more connected, close, community with, with each other, the heart of God would have us do it, right? Man, if there's any door opened, I'm going to use it. If the door is Zoom, I'm going to use it. If the door is meeting in person with masks on, I'm going to use it. If there's any door, we need to long to see each other and grow our faith in the same space as each other. When I... Uh, when I set out to, to give this talk in my mind, I thought Moses would be the main deal about the talk. <laughs> I started out because I knew that Moses met with God. Like Moses in my, in, in my mind, when you read through Exodus and different parts of the body, like he just constantly was going up the mountain to meet with God or he was getting the commandments from God. He just had a lot of meetings. In fact, he in, in Exodus 33, you can read about how he made a tent of meeting. I mean, he met with God a lot, right? And I just look at this and go, that is how we need to, to desire to meet together. Like we need that same heart. You see God meeting with people throughout the scriptures, and it just so happens that the early church really understood this. I mean, and through Paul's writings, you can tell even decades into the church, they get this. They get meeting together and longing to meet together. Small groups allow us to process in more of a, a dialogue where church is often the monologue. I mean, you're sitting there, you're, you're listening, and sure, we can comment and, 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 and start a chat going on with each other to find out whether you've done this or that or what's stirring in you or what's motivating you during this, this talk. But, but we need to 
have time that's focused in a smaller group so we all get a chance to dialogue. And we can pause and consider why we're doing what we're doing with our faith. We can look and ask questions about, man, I, I kind of got this out of the reading today. And you're like, wow, that is deep. That's very insightful. Uh, this is where we flesh out the principles that we're inspired by when we're listening to the talk, while we're experiencing the service. We can maybe jot a note or a question, and then we bring that up together and we help figure that out with one another. Uh, those of you who are, are watching today, right now, uh, will be those who are dispatched to go out and try to connect with others. I'm challenging you to find a small group of people that you can connect with. Now, we're trying to help facilitate that at Open Life with growth groups. You can sign up for one at the link on the screen. But I, I think we need to go out and be the ones that say, hey, you have this on your boat. See that rope? Toss it to me. I'll help you get to the dock. I'll help you get secure with your faith. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of your life. Let's do this together. We have a responsibility, right? I remember when I first was on the Spirit of Puget Sound and, and my first time going out and, and tying off that big, huge ship. I was nervous. I wanted to do it right. And they didn't send me out to do it alone. I went with a, a couple other people and I had to walk through why I was doing what I was doing. I had to drag that big old wet rope. <laughs> it's green. I was getting nasty stuff all over my clothes, you know, just like I had to tighten up that that ship to the dock and make sure that it wasn't gonna go adrift, go floating off in any kind of a wave or any moment there on Elliott Bay. And I walked them through the step by step by step, and it was time after time after time. And all of a sudden I got it. I understood what I was doing. And this is exactly what we do in small groups is we walk through this moment together. What does content over community look like in this, this area? I think it's that we just think, man, if I take the notes from service and I, I walk out, I can effectively grow my faith myself. Uh, we're more secure when we're more to both Jesus and others. It growing accountability with ourselves, genuine humility, uh, these shared experiences, that, that can't happen with yourself. And God desires that for your faith. We need the benefits of groups with one another. The care and compassion that come in critical seasons of our life, the ministry to one another that are offered, serving together, alongside shoulder to shoulder. These are so important. The extension of grace to one another. And when I messed up first mooring the ship to the dock, those people who had done it before were gracious. And they're like, close, you just missed this step. Let's do it again. And week after week, day after day, I figured it out. But they guided me. We need to be that gracious with one another in our faith. We need to graciously reach out to those who are adrift and uh, be a place that invites people into genuine community with one another, that grows our faith together, not just in the big church, not just in the large gathering, not just online in a service environment where 
however many people are viewing, but we need to grow our faith together, learning in a similar direction, helping each other flesh out the principles we're discovering, or the waves of this life are going to drift us way, way out, and we will be lost. Here's the confession today. I will meet with others. I will meet with others. In fact, I will meet with others in church. I will commit to experiencing church with others in person or online weekly. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to find the time. I am going to do this. I will meet with others in growth groups. I'm going to either join a growth group uh, or I am going to create one. Two or three are gathered. God's going to show up. I'm going to make a priority to grow together with others. Masks on or no masks, inside or outside, in person or online. Let's make this happen. Let's face it. Zoom and these connecting online is harder. But Paul said, I long to see you. If there's any open door, I want to see you and meet with you. I just think we need to use any open door. And after a while, we'll discover this is possible in that way as well during this season. Let's stop making excuses and start securing community by meeting with each other. Can I pray that over you? God, I thank you for everybody that's joined us online today. I thank you that you're speaking to hearts right now and hopefully you're allowing eyes to be open and ears to hear and maybe some people are recognizing that they are not, they're checking the lines and they realize their lines are not secure. Maybe they've yet to float out <laughs> and become adrift, but they need to check their mooring. They need to check whether they are connected and uh, hopefully, Lord, they're able to be inspired to follow you if yet to do so. If somebody's watching and you're realizing, man, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. Well, it's easy. All you have to do is invite him to be the Lord of your life. You say, Jesus, I wanna follow you as the Lord of my life. I, I, I want you to forgive my sins, cleanse me. I, I want to, to be a Christian. I wanna follow you the rest of my days. And now God, may you strengthen us your word says the church grew daily, those who are being saved. And that means that church had to reach out and pull person after person that was drifting in to, to secure a relationship with them, both in the church and in homes. And so God, may you make us a people that are open to new relationships. Open up our heart. Break our heart for those who we can tell are drifting and help us reach out and reach into people's lives because you came to seek and save those that were lost. And now not only do we get to be saved together, we get to grow deeper in our relationship with you together. We give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us at Open Life today. And we can't wait to see you in groups or see you next week at service. God bless.